Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the John DeVito Show. It is Monday morning in the beautiful city of Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, hey, you know, it's Monday again, another Manic Monday. We had a great weekend where we had a lot of family time. You know, one of the good things, I guess, of this whole pandemic is that I'm getting a lot more family time with the kids. You know, we're not running around uh, 10 baseball games every weekend. And it's been kind of nice. So actually, Saturday afternoon, we sat, sat by a campfire all afternoon, all night, just hanging out, had a couple of beers, chilled, and did more of that on Sunday. So it was kind of nice, a nice relaxing weekend. So it actually feels good to go back to work on Monday and have, you know, feel a little bit refreshed and a little bit relaxed after, you know, a weekend of baseball where we have 10 games and we're driving all over the place. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. It's fun. I love watching my kids play baseball. I love watching them play softball, but it's exhausting to sit and watch eight, nine, 10 games. And some of these seasons or many of the seasons I've coached baseball and softball. So I've been busy coaching and my wife's been driving all over the place. So actually it's been kind of nice to just chill out a little bit, you know? So we've got uh, some good news here in Massachusetts. It looks like finally, finally governor Baker is starting to reopen parts of the economy so it looks like just some small parts but it's something so we've got i guess manufacturing and construction is going to be opening uh they're going to allow churches to start meeting in large groups again and doing that so i think within a couple of weeks we should start to see uh, restaurants and things like that start to reopen at least you know, if they have like outdoor patios and things like that. So the good news is here in Massachusetts anyway, we are seeing the downward trend of coronavirus, which is good. So let's hope that that continues and we continue to see the coronavirus numbers going down instead of up. I mean, it's a positive trend. So who knows, you know, what's going to happen this summer. Um, I mean, we have some vacations planned. We're supposed to go to uh, Hampton Beach in New Hampshire for a week and then up to Maine for a week. So we're kind of hoping, you know, the week we go to the beach, they're actually going to open the beaches so we could maybe get out there and, you know, enjoy the beach and swim and <laughs> enjoy all the things that Hampton Beach has to offer. Um, so anyway, big, big surprises over the weekend. Uh, Barack Obama has criticized Donald Trump and his handling of the coronavirus, you know, not exactly a big surprise. You would figure that since Obama has endorsed, you know, sleepy Joe Biden, that he would probably at some point come out and publicly criticize Trump. And, you know, I, I get it. You know, maybe Trump hasn't handled everything maybe the way he should have. And maybe, you know, he hasn't listened to advice and done certain things he should have done. But again, you know, it seems like for whatever reason, at the beginning of his presidency, Trump did nothing but warn us about China. I mean, number one, China has taken over the world economy and he basically labeled them as a threat. This is not the first virus that we've had in this country where, you know, the United States has been infected by a disease that originated in China. So Trump kind of made that clear to everybody. And it's just kind of, you know, unfortunate that no one's listened, you know, no one's listened to Trump. And now all of a sudden, you know, everything is Trump's fault. And the, you know, the government of China has no responsibility, even though they didn't notify the world, they hid things, they underestimated the number of people that had this. And again, <laughs> this disease originated in China, whether it was on purpose 
whether it was a mistake. I mean, none of that really matters. All that matters is that this is where it came from and they should, you know, take responsibility. So anyway, um, over the weekend, one of the nice things for me, <laughs> and this shows how desperate I am for live sports of some sort. This weekend, I actually sat down for about 90 minutes yesterday and watched the NASCAR race. So, you know, I get it. A lot of people love NASCAR. NASCAR is not my thing. I've actually been to a couple of NASCAR races up in New Hampshire. They have a speed track in Loudoun, New Hampshire. And it's, you know, a pretty nice track. The professionals come up and I've been, and actually watching NASCAR in person is kind of fun. I mean, to see these cars drive, you know, 200 miles an hour, uh, you see the crashes, you see, you know, just amazing driving and speed and things like that. It's kind of cool to see in person. But honestly, when you watch it on TV, <laughs> to me, it's just not the same thing. So I, you know, I did sit and watch, but that just shows how desperate I have been to watch anything, whether it's basketball, baseball. I'm not as much of a hockey fan, but I mean, even playoff hockey, I will watch. You know, it was kind of funny. I posted something on Facebook about myself watching a NASCAR race this past weekend. And I had a couple of guys post that they were actually watching, I think it was on ESPN, the Cornhole Championships, <laughs> just because they were so desperate to watch sports. And I thought that was pretty funny. So anyway, you know, we're, we're starting to maybe see some glimmers of hope that we're getting back to normal. Uh, looking at the numbers right now in the United States, there are 1,486,000 cases of the coronavirus worldwide. We've got almost 5 million cases. And in the U.S., we've had 89,564 deaths, 315,000 worldwide deaths. And the unemployment rate in the U.S. is now at 14.7%. So if you really look at those numbers, I mean, you really have to start thinking about the Great Depression, you know? Hopefully, if we can start opening businesses up sometime soon, hopefully some of the money will fly back into the into the market, back into the businesses. Hopefully that an unemployment number will drop as businesses open and people start getting back to work. But I think, you know, unfortunately it's inevitable that we have probably, you know, just seen, I don't know, some of these jobs just completely disappear, not to come back. So uh, let's see. So the CDC has issued an, adv an advisory on this rare illness in kids. I don't know if you've seen this, but, um, you know, I'm starting to wonder, you know, is this just a fear campaign or is this something that is, you know, legitimate? This is reported by the U.S. and World Report. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention define the syndrome as a person under the age of 21 who has a fever lasting longer than a day, inflammation, and a severe illness that affects two or more organs that require hospitalization. So is this something that's tied to the coronavirus? Is this the coronavirus, you know, changing forms? I mean, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what this is, but it says the children in the UK, Italy, and the US have been reported in recent weeks to have symptoms that are similar to toxic shock syndrome or Kawasaki disease, which is a rare inflammatory illness that typically affects children under the age of five. So New York is monitoring more than 100 cases of this syndrome and three patients there have died. 
So New Jersey also is reporting more than a dozen cases and a handful of others that have been documented across other states, including California, Washington, Connecticut, Ohio, and Georgia. So the CDC is recommending that healthcare providers report any patient who meets the case definition to local and state authorities. So, so the patient also must have no alternative diagnosis for the symptoms and test positive for COVID-19. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is kind of crazy. So we've got now, you know, we've been doing the whole COVID-19 thing since March. We've been shut down. And the one thing about COVID-19 is most of the younger population has not been really affected by this disease. So it's been predominantly older Americans, you know, people who are 80 and above, and it hasn't really affected too many of the younger people, which, you know, I guess is a good thing in a way where, I mean, you hate to lose someone that's, you know, 90, 95 years old, but at least at that point, they've kind of lived a good life. They've lived a full life. But when you lose someone who's eight or nine, I mean, to me, that just stings a little bit more because they haven't had the ability to live their life, to enjoy their life. And again, you know, as a father of four myself, I couldn't imagine what it would feel like to lose one of my children. So to me, that would be just awful. So, you know, this thing continues to go on, you know, this new strain or whatever it may be, you know, is just kind of crazy and kind of scary. So I guess we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, Looking through the news here. Okay, here you go. Here's a good one. So family finance, how much should we be tipping essential employees? So I'm going to kind of read this story here and see what this is saying for us. If your budget allows it, aim to tip more generously than usual during the pandemic. Now, you know, for my wife and I, we've been kind of fortunate where both of us still have our jobs. We're doing okay financially. And I know that I've been doing this specifically. So for me, you know, if I go in the morning to get donuts and coffee you know in new england we have dunkin donuts that are all over the place so if i go in and i get dunkin donuts you know if our bill is you know 18 dollars 20 dollars you know we get a dozen donuts a few coffees you know some chocolate milks things like that it tends to be fairly expensive i've been leaving anywhere between like a five and a ten dollar tip for the girls that are serving the donuts and the coffee i mean normally i wouldn't do that normally i would give them change or maybe a dollar so i've been trying to give them you know, some more tips and some more money to kind of help them through these difficult times. But again, this article here lists, you know, specifically how much you should tip, I guess, significant people, certain people. And they say that, you know, your grocery deliverer, your delivery driver, your restaurant worker, your healthcare worker, you know, it's saying that you should kind of tip all these people, you know, more money. So, I mean, to me, that makes sense. I mean, for me, you know, if if I'm ordering takeout food from a restaurant, then you know I'm still giving that 20% tip even though I don't have a waitress or a waiter actually serving me you know at the table so I'm still giving that 20% tip to the person that is bringing the food out for delivery or you know or delivering my food to my house or delivering pizza if we order delivery pizza because we have been certainly ordering more delivery food being that in Massachusetts a lot of the restaurants right now are closed so yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good idea. I mean, I think if you have the money and you can help people out, even if it's like a healthcare worker, someone that's preparing your food, I mean, why can't, you know, why can't you, if you're doing well, tip a little extra money and maybe help somebody out? You know, it's, it's a good thing. So another article here in the U.S. US News and World Report, can vitamins and minerals 
help fight COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Now, this is something I've been doing. I've been taking vitamins. I've been taking, you know, a daily vitamin. I've been taking uh, iron, potassium, you know, a few different things. So I guess, you know, can these type of things help? And I guess some of the vitamins that are kind of helpful in helping you maybe fight off disease and potentially even fight off the corona virus or the COVID-19 virus would be things like vitamin C, zinc, vitamin D, and those type of different vitamins that will help boost your immune system and maybe help you, you know, just maintain a strong immunity and maybe maybe it'll help you, you know, avoid um, getting some of these diseases, including COVID-19. I mean, again, I think if you're going to get it, you're going to get it, but it certainly can't help hurt, in my opinion, to take some take some nutrition to see if you can maybe, or take some vitamins to see if you can maybe boost your immunity a little bit, you know? So uh, looking, I'll tell you, looking through the news report here, it's kind of depressing to see that a lot of the news places now and the news outlets are posting photos of like the Great Depression and things like that. And here we are, you know, 2020, the Great Depression was in the late 1920s. It's something about, uh, I guess, the 20s that uh, is cursed, I guess, in society. So I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of hoping we don't get on that road. I, th- I think if we can open businesses sooner than later, then we are probably going to be okay, you know, in the long run. But I would say, you know, one of the one of the things I'm really missing right now is definitely sports. You know, I'm a big baseball fan. And I've been reading a lot about baseball the last couple of days. And I've been going through my baseball card collection. I have a collection that started with my father. And then I've collected throughout my life. And now my sons are starting to get into it. So it got me thinking about baseball a lot this weekend. It just shows, you know, how much I'm missing baseball. And, you know, how much um, I just love to see things get back to normal so we can start going to games again. And it was kind of funny. I was looking at a list. You know, created by, and this is kind of a strange source, but Encyclopedia Britannica came up with the 10 greatest baseball players of all time. And I think I'm going to get on this list because I'm kind of in the mood to talk about sports a little bit today. So I'm going to get on the list and we'll talk about whether or not I agree with these, whether I disagree. And I'm sure I'm going to have some I agree with and some others that I feel have been left out. And there are other things you need to talk about, like, you know, players maybe that played during the steroid era, you know, and things like that. So let's let's start with the list, and I'll kind of probably quickly buzz through the list and then talk about some of the players afterwards. So on this list of the 10 greatest baseball players of all time, we've got number 10 on the list is Roger Clemens. Hmm. So to me, you know, I'm not sure how, how I feel about this. Um, I am a Boston Red Sox fan, and for me, you know, maybe uh, my opinion skewed a little bit because Roger Clemens kind of burnt the Red Sox and went to the Yankees. I mean, he first went to Toronto and then ended up playing for the Yankees. And if anybody here is a Red Sox fan, you know in Boston that's a big no-no. So I'll have to think about him. I mean, obviously he had a great career. But let's get on the list quickly, and then I'll come back and talk about each player. So Roger Clemens is listed as number 10. Number 9, Hannes Wagner. All right, I mean, Hannes Wagner, obviously a great baseball player. And if you're lucky enough to have his baseball card... From 1909, you're immediately a millionaire. They have fetched upward of $2 million in a sale because it's a very rare baseball card. So, Hannes Wagner is number two on the list. Num- or number eight, number nine on the list, excuse me. Number eight on the list, Stan Musial. Stan Musial played for the Cardinals. Um, definitely one of the best baseball players of all time. I certainly like seeing him on this list. 
we'll digest him and get into, get into talking to him a, a, a little bit in a few minutes. Uh, number seven, Ty Cobb. I mean, Ty Cobb, the Georgia Peach, listed number seven. Man, I don't know. Seven to me seems like he's kind of far down on this list. I mean, he's a guy that had, you know, a tremendous batting average, a lifetime 367 batting average, um, had, you know, amazing number of stolen bases, was uh, the all-time leader in hits, or had been when he retired. Okay, Walter Johnson was a right-handed flame-throwing pitcher, very similar to like a Roger Clemens, and he played in the early days of baseball. And uh, I'll tell you, you look at this number, you don't see these type of numbers in baseball today. But in 1913, Walter Johnson had 15, had uh, actually won actually 36 games in 1913 and had a 1.14 ERA. I mean, you talk about dominating. He won 36 games in a season. I mean, today, if you win 20 games in a season, you're a phenom. But today we're in, of course, the, you know, the days of, you know, pitch counts and monitoring the number of innings and things like that. So, and Walter Johnson, too, was number two on the list to Cy Young in the the number of wins in his career. Johnson had 417 wins and Cy Young had 511. So, you know, you have to wonder, should Walter Johnson maybe even be a little bit higher on this list? So, you know, pretty good list, really, for the most part. I mean, Hank Aaron, number five. Another one, you know, number five that's kind of far down on this list as far as I'm concerned. But Hank Aaron was one of the greats, and he kind of played before the steroid era. You know, he hit, you know, obviously 755 home runs in his career. Uh, was an amazing home run hitter, hammering Hank. And uh, was just an all-around good baseball player. So Ted Williams, number four on the list. And, of course, I'm very impartial to Ted Williams, the splendid splinter, who pay, played for the Red Sox. And, you know, Ted Williams, what's amazing about his numbers, I mean, he batted 344 in his career. He was the last player to bat over 400 in a season. And he still missed five years of his career to military service. I mean, he hit 521 home runs, missing five years of his career. So if you figure, even if you conservatively estimate that he hit maybe 30 home runs a year during those prime years of his career, that's another, you know, 150 home runs you add on to that 521. So you're looking at close to 700 home runs. And I'm not sure if his batting average would have gone up or gone down. But one of the things also you look at Ted Williams is Ted Williams never achieved 3,000 hits. But if he had played those five seasons, and on top of that, didn't have such an amazing eye, Ted Williams would walk over 100 times every season. So he's a guy that had an amazing on-base percentage and was willing to take the walk and not swing at bad pitches. So Ted Williams at number four, I do like him there. Number three, I don't know how I feel about this at all. You know, we've got Barry Bonds listed at number three. And again, you know, you look at a guy like Ted Williams, who is number four. 521 career home runs, batted 344, was an amazing, you know, baseball player, was a hero, war pilot that missed five years of his career. And on the other side of the equation, you have kind of a egocentric Barry Bonds, who obviously took steroids. You know, he cheated. And I know a lot of baseball players in his time also cheated. But I mean, he, he, he did steroids, he was juicing. And I mean, he did set the home, the all-time home run record, but I still consider Hank Aaron to be the home run record holder. So I really don't like Barry Bonds at number three. Number two, you know, I do like I do like the player, um, Barry Bonds's, you know, godfather, Willie Mays, obviously one of the greatest athletes in baseball history. 
I mean, in addition to having 660 home runs in his career, 3,283 hits, uh, 1,900 runs batted in, he also had 12 consecutive, uh, let's say that again, 12 consecutive Gold Glove Awards in the outfield. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Okay, number one uh, the, in the, on the Encyclopedia Britannica list of the best players of all time, you got Babe Ruth. I mean, I don't think anyone can argue with Babe Ruth in any list it being near the top i mean that's kind of the easy pick but i'll tell you i see a lot of omissions in this top 10 list i see players like mickey mantle i see joe dimaggio you know i see a lot of players that were not included you want to come over and join the conversation ethan i've got my son ethan who's a baseball guy here and i was looking at the encyclopedia britannica list of the top 10 baseball players of all time and maybe you could talk a little bit about this also. Let's move this microphone over here. Yeah. So you can hear me talk as well. I just disconnected my headphones. There we go. Professional operation here. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. So this is the list that Encyclopedia Britannica came up with. And I disagree with some of these. Number 10 on the list, Roger Clemens. What do you think about Roger Clemens being in the top 10? And get your face close to the microphone. The top 10 all-time baseball players in the history of the game. Well, uh, he was definitely a really great pitcher because he uh, he had two games where he threw 20 strikes, which is, I think, the all-time um, leading of strikes. Strikeouts. Yeah, strikeouts. And he was a really great pitcher, but he also had a bad attitude. So, like, I don't know if he's on the top 10 of the list because, like, it's hard to put a pitcher on the top 10 when you have hitters that are great or, like, fielders. So I don't really know if I agree with this position on the top 10 list, but he was definitely a great pitcher. Well, the problem I have with Roger Clemens, I mean, if you look at some of the stats of Roger Clemens, you know, he had 4,672 strikeouts in his career. That's the third most all time. In 86, he became one of the rare starting pitchers to win a league MVP award because he had a 24 and four record with a 2.48 earn run average and 238 strikeouts. So, I mean, Clemens did a lot of things great. And as you mentioned, he struck out 20 batters twice during his career in one game, which is an amazing feat. But one of the problems I have with Clemens is he was one of those pitchers in the steroid era. You know, was Roger Clemens taking steroids? There were a lot of reports that he was enhancing his performance by taking steroids. And when you look at players in earlier eras, you know, that wasn't the case. So I kind of have a hard time with Roger Clemens. I mean, is there any doubt that he was a great pitcher? He was. I saw him pitch. He was dominating. But should he be in the top 10 list? I'm not so sure. So we'll leave that one up for everybody else to decide. Number nine, I'm not sure how you can argue with Hannes Wagner, one of the best baseball players in the history of the game. And again, everyone and their brother knows this name because if you happen to find one of his baseball cards from 1909, you're an instant millionaire. What do you think about Hannes Wagner? You look at some of his stats here. He retired with a 320 batting average. He had the second most hits. So he had 3,420 hits behind you know, Ty Cobb. Uh, 643 doubles. He wasn't as much of a power hitter, but he had a lot of runs batted in. I mean, look at the number of triples. He had good speed. 252 career triples. That's pretty amazing. And he certainly was one of the best players of all time, I think. And I think he deserves the number nine spot. How do you feel about Hannes Wagner? Yeah, definitely. I feel like he deserves the spot because even if he wasn't much of a power hitter, he could hit for average, hit for like doubles, triples, singles. So he was also almost had 2,000 runs batted in, so he was def I, I feel like he definitely deserves a number nine spot on the list. And you, and you never know either. This, I don't know if you know much about this era, but if you see here, they were talking about when these guys played, like Ty Cobb, the these guys, they had the dead ball era where the baseballs were dead. 
And I remember when Babe Ruth came up and he started hitting home runs, he was hitting more home runs than some of the teams combined in the major yeah. leagues. So there were teams that weren't hitting 40 or 50 home runs in a year. So you never know if you had someone like Hannes Wagner playing today with the live baseballs and, of course, using performance-enhancing drugs, he could have been like another Barry Bonds with yeah. the number of home runs he hit. But I, I think he definitely deserves his place. Now, he's a good player here. One of my all-time favorites, Stan the Man Usual, played for the St. Louis Cardinals. And if I remember correctly, I think he ended up with over 400 home runs. I can't remember the exact number. 428. I think 460 maybe. But if you look at he ended up, his uh, batting average lifetime was 331. And he had three most valuable players, won two uh, World Series titles. And he played for 22 years you know, for one team. So actually, I mean, he had three World Series titles. So he won three. So and even at 41 years old, he still bet at 330. I mean, he was a very consistent hitter. He had a lot of power. And from what everybody said about him, too, he was just a real class guy and an icon for St. Louis. So for me, Stan Musial, I like him on the list. But in my opinion, maybe he should be a little bit higher than eight. What do you think? Yeah, I think he might be higher than eight because you see all of his seasons, even when he was playing when he got older, his stats were still consistent. Like, they still were like the same as when he was younger so he didn't really have like a prime time of when he was playing because like his batting average stayed the same so he was super consistent three world series wins that's really good and also three mvps like three mvps is ridiculous like he how about this number even also as evidence that he had such a keen eye for the baseball his single season strikeout total or his highest single season strikeout total was 46 strikeouts wow. one year when he batted 505 times. And that's when he was 41. Wow. 46 strikeouts. I mean, you have power hitters in the major leagues. They'll strike out over 200 times. <laughs> his highest total was 46 strikeouts in the season. Wow. That's crazy. And that's when he was older, but he still batted 330 that season also. Wow. That's a hell of a baseball player. So let's keep going up the list. Ty Cobb. Now, this one kind of gets me a little bit. How is he number seven? Yeah, I know. The all-time hit leader. How do you have Ty Cobb? You know what it is? I think probably because people hated the guy. He yeah. was just a mean, mean jackass. He would come into third base, second base with his cleats up. He'd be looking to spike you on purpose. He was a dirty player. They called him the Georgia Peach. But from what everyone said, <laughs> it was kind of funny. If They're saying here, if Musial was a fairy tale prince, when it came to comportment, Ty Cobb was the evil troll under the bridge, chucking boulders and passing children. He was an unrepentant racist who routinely sharpened his spikes to maximize potential injury to others on hard slides. And once fought a fan in the stands, he went after a fan in the stands and fought him, kind of like the Bruins back in those days. So that's kind of crazy. So, you know, Ty Cobb, number seven on the list. But I mean, highest lifetime batting average. Now, it says here it was 366. I thought it was 367. So, I mean, you think about a lifetime batting average, whatever it was, 366, 367. Yeah, it's 367. I mean, Ty Cobb, that is an absolutely amazing batting average. It's just his problem was he was a jackass yeah. <laughs> and no one liked him, right? So counting down the first four. Now, again, keep in mind now, this is not my list. This is a list of the top baseball players listed by Britannica. So we've got Roger Clemens at number 10, which I disagree with. How about you? Yeah, definitely. Hannes Wagner, number nine. I think he should be higher on the list. Yeah, yeah, same. Stan Musial, I think he definitely should be higher on the list. Yes. Uh, Ty Cobb, another one, I think he should be probably in the top five. Yes. Despite just being a prick that nobody likes. <laughs> All right, number six. Now, you probably don't know who this is. No. Walter Johnson, the big train, played in the early 1900s. 
And if you're thinking of who you could compare him to now, like a Roger Clemens. So Walter Johnson was a flame-throwing right-hander who defined dominance pitching for decades. He was so great that he led the AL in strikeouts almost every year he was pitching during his 21 career. Now look at this number. Now think about today's pitching. And you talk about you know good pitchers like you know Clayton Kershaw, right? Yeah. In 1913, Walter Johnson won 36 games. 36 games. Look at his ERA, 1.14, wow. and his WHIP was 0.78. So Walter Johnson batted. I mean, was, was won 36 games, had an ERA under two, and he was basically just absolutely unhittable, which is amazing. You know, in his career, he had 3,500 strikeouts. And that set a record that lasts 56 years. And also for wins, now this is another one. He's got 417 career wins, second on the list to Cy Young. I've already looked at this list. Cy Young did not make this list. How does that even make sense if he makes this list, but he has less wins than Cy Young? <laughs> well, Cy Young also lost 300 games also. Yeah. So I mean, it's just he pitched, it seems like, every day. So, all right, number five on the list, Hank Aaron. Yeah, th he's. this is an obvious placement on the yeah. list. Hank Aaron, 755 home runs. Now, that was a record for 33 years, and in my opinion, it should still be the record because I don't think Barry Bonds, in his steroid-loaded body, deserved to beat Hank Aaron with this you know, with this amazing record. I mean, his all-time best, he had 2,297 runs battled in, 6,856 6, total bases in his career. And also, you know, you think of him as a power hitter, he also had a 305 batting average. Yeah, so he could hit for average. He won too. three Golden Gloves. So, I mean, the guy was a hell of a defensive player also. I mean, he was a good all-around baseball player and just a great guy. And he also had over 3,000 hits. You know, look at that. No, he finished in 76. Look at the hits he had. 3,771 hits. You know, maybe Hank Aaron deserves to be in that top two or three with those numbers. They have him at five. Hey, how you doing? I see, see you there on the list. So, we're talking baseball this morning. So, we're going over the Encyclopedia Britannica list of baseball players. I don't necessarily agree with the entire list. But uh, what do you think, though? Number four, Ted Williams. Yeah, I, I think Ted Williams should obviously be on the list. Well, you know, when you look at the numbers that Ted Williams put up, I mean, Ted Williams had 521 career home runs. Now, look at that. His lifetime on-base percentage was 482. And that's predominantly because of the number of walks that Ted Williams had during his career. Ted Williams never hit over 200 hits in a season. But he would walk every year over 100, you know, hits, 100 walks every season. Hey, Roxanne, how are you? So... Ted Williams was the last guy that batted over 400 in a season, batting 406 in 1941. And, I mean, he had 521 home runs, but also missed five years of his career to the military and one year to injury. Yes. So he probably would have had close to 700, you know, uh, home runs in his career. So do you think that uh, Ted Williams deserves to be higher, or do you think number four is a good part, good you know, place for him to be on this list. Well, I think I heard you talking in there when I was walking by and you said that Barry Bonds is number three. I think that you should definitely probably switch Ted Williams and Barry Bonds because Barry Bonds, like, yes, he holds the all-time home run record, but he did it in a way that he cheated. Right. He he took steroids. Back then, there was no steroids. Ted Williams didn't take steroids and he could still drive the ball out of the park, hit for average, and <coughs> walk every time he got up. He was very consistent, always got on base, rarely ever got out. So I think that you should definitely switch Barry Bonds and Ted Williams. Yeah, you know, I'm not a fan of Barry Bonds being number three on this list. We already talked about him. We've got Willie Mays, number two on the list. Willie Mays, I agree with. Uh, 660 career home runs. I don't know if you knew this. He was actually the godfather of Barry Bonds, Willie was? Mays. Now, the thing that gets me, not only did he hit 660 home runs, 3,300 hits in his career, 1,900 runs batted in. This is crazy. 
he won 12 consecutive Golden Glove Awards in the Twelve? outfield. 12 in a row. Jeez. So, I mean, Willie Mays deserves to be number two. The easy choice, Babe Ruth, number one. Yeah. So I'm going to get on this list again really quick and just round it off, and then we'll get into talking about some other things. But this is the Encyclopedia Britannica, top 10 baseball players of all time. I don't like a lot of this list, but we'll run down the list again. Number 10, Roger Clemens. I disagree. Number 9, Hannes Wagner. I like it, but I think he should be higher on the list. Yes. Uh, number 8, Stan Musial. I think this is another one where he deserves to be on the list, but he should be higher on the list. Yes. Number f- number 7, Ty Cobb. He was a prick. No one liked him. He was a nasty guy that sharpened his cleats trying to hurt people. He was a racist. You know, he wasn't a good guy, but... You know, you can't argue that he was a good baseball player, so he probably deserves to be higher than seven. Walter Johnson, the big train, one of the best pitchers in the history of baseball, won 36 games in 1913. Just an amazing talent. But, you know, I don't know how he's on the li- this list with 417 career wins, and you don't have Cy Young on the list, who had 511. Yeah, that's you know? ridiculous. Hank Aaron at number five, Ted Williams at number four, Barry Bonds at number three, which I completely disagree with. Exactly, Pete Rose. I mean, I love Pete Rose. Um, Willie Mays at number two, Babe Ruth at number one. Yep. You know, this is the Encyclopedia Britannica list. There are a lot of players missing in this list. If we have any baseball fans, before we move on, throw some names out there. I mean, for me, where's Mickey Mantle? Exactly. That's where's Joe DiMaggio? Yep. You know, I mean, there are a lot of players not on this list. I mean, does Akali Stremski belong on that list? Maybe. I mean, does he belong there over some of the players? I mean, I, I don't know if Roger Clemens deserves it. I mean, Pete Rose, one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, the guy got caught gambling on baseball. Unfortunately, you know, that's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. I don't think they're ever going to let him into the Hall of Fame, even though without a doubt, and he's number one in hits, and you never got to see him play. But, I mean, he was a beast. You talk about hard-nosed, you know, head-first slides and he, he would kill you slide into a base. You know, he was kind of like a Ty Cobb type of player. Yeah, Teddy Teddy Ballgame was number four on the list uh, that they put together. And I agree. You know, Cal Ripken's a good name. I love Cal Ripken Jr. He was a class act. You never got to see him play. But, you know, when you when you talk about Cal Ripken, where's Lou Gehrig on that list? Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, there's so many players. Nolan Ryan. Yes. How can Nolan Ryan not be on that list? Seven no-hitters. Seven no-hitters, right? Yeah, but also you have to bring into mind when you talk about Babe Ruth, he also played at the Polo Grounds Field, which had to right field where he hit a lot of his home runs at 255-foot fence. Is that what it was? Yes, because it was more of like an octagon because to, to center field, it was like 510 feet or something like that. Or no, so 480. 255 feet was the right field fence where Babe Ruth played. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, could you imagine now if Ted Williams played on that field? When Ted Williams was playing for the Red Sox, I mean, you've seen Fenway Park. You've been there. I mean, right around the foul pole in right field is 302, but no one ever hits home runs there. That's almost like a foul ball, pop fly. Most of the home runs that Williams hit, because he was a dead pole hitter, was to the 380 bullpen area. And he still hit 521 home runs. He wasn't one of those guys that could go to the opposite way and hit the ball, you know, to left field over the green monster. So that's the list they put together for baseball. You know, I, I agree with you, boss. You know, boss dog. I'm not a big Yankees fan either. I hate the Yankees. But Derek Jeter, I mean, how can you argue with the guy? He was a great player. I mean, obviously very skilled, a very skilled athlete, great defensively. Um, you know, a class act in every in every way also. I mean, how many championships did he win? Five championships. So you certainly can't argue with Derek Jeter. He deserves to be on that list as well. So, you know, a lot of things going on here in Boston. I was just kind of talking a little baseball this morning. It was funny. I got on. I'm looking to freestyle a little bit this morning and just talk about some world events. And I started thinking about how this weekend 
I actually watched a NASCAR race because I'm so desperate for live sports. And the NASCAR race, you know, I'm not a big NASCAR fan. I've actually been to a couple of races, but I'm so desperate to watch sports and to watch something live. I actually watched NASCAR for like 90 minutes this week. And, you know, I've been, <laughs> I've been to NASCAR races. And I hope I don't offend anybody with this. But honestly, you know, I, the NASCAR races I went to, I went to one up in New Hampshire. And I think that there were 100,000 fans at this NASCAR race and maybe 90,000 teeth total. <laughs> at the race i mean you want to you want to find every redneck in the world go to a nascar race man i'll tell you but i mean for me i was the only guy there that was rooting for danica patrick so I mean, every other guy i mean oh dude I, you have no idea boss dog i grew up in new hampshire so i i know my rednecks you know i grew up with a lot of rednecks and uh, i have never seen anything like being in the nascar race it is like the scariest crowd you have ever seen in your life of just freaky people you know, it's just crazy we're gonna bring you to one of those i mean it's fun to see the race i mean these cars i mean they're going 200 miles an hour i mean you kind of have to wear earplugs it's so loud but it was funny i posted on facebook that i went to the nascar race uh and it was kind of funny where i had someone post to me that over the weekend on espn they were so desperate for live sports that they were watching the cornhole championship on ESPN. The Cornhole <laughs> Championship. Oh, yeah. Wait. One of my friends that I talked to, yep. he's so desperate to watch football that he watched the Madden Bowl. The, oh, the Madden Bowl? Yeah, it's like, it's like a pro. It's where all the pros go against each other and Madden and play against each other. He was so desperate to watch football that he watched the Madden Bowl. That's crazy. Yeah. That just shows how desperate we are. But I mean, the good thing is here in Massachusetts, I don't know how it is where you guys all are. Let me know where you all live in the chat box down below. Let me know how things are going with the COVID virus. Is society starting to open up at all? Oh, hey, Boss Dog, thank you for the gift, man. I appreciate that very much. Um, I love PodCoin, so I appreciate it. But yeah, regarding um, Boston, we're starting to open up today. Thank God. And, you know, I know that across the country, there have been protests. There were a lot of protests over the weekend here in Massachusetts. There was a large group of people that tried to protest in front of the governor's house. But did you know what the governor did? What? He called in the police and blocked off the street that he lived on so people could not protest in front of his house. That's ridiculous. That's a good use of resources, isn't it? I mean, where you know he's making his money, living in his governor's mansion, and what's he using our tax money for? To bring the police in. So in this country where we're supposed to be free, people can't protest in front of his house. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so that's what that's what Governor Baker did in Massachusetts. But the good news is we are starting to open today, which I know is welcome for everybody. We're seeing like a downward trend in the number of coronavirus cases, and they're opening now manufacturing businesses and things like that. So, you know, we're starting to see things open. Hopefully, shortly after this, we'll see, you know, barbershops, restaurants, and things like that open up. Because I think it's time to get back to normal. Yeah. Are, you, are you sick of it? Yeah, I'm sick of it, 100%. Now, do you think the kids are going to play baseball? I know that in the town we live in, uh, it's a big baseball town, and I know that the uh, the people running, you know, the, the youth leagues and things like that are still hoping that we'll have a season, but I don't know. It seems like, you know, we're coming out with these new Kawasaki diseases and all these other things associated with coronavirus. I mean, do you think Little League's going to happen this year? No. I don't think so either, unfortunately. I mean, I think that, you know, the Little League World Series was already canceled, but the good thing they did is they didn't tell everybody that you had to cancel your season. They're leaving it up to individual leagues to make their own decisions. And I do feel especially bad for the kids that are in their final seasons of Little League or graduating from eighth grade or graduating from high school or even graduating from college. You know, those kids just, 
I get screwed over. Or fifth grade. I mean, Brennan's. Oh, yeah. Brennan's was supposed to have like a really big party for like getting out of fifth grade, going into middle school, but that got canceled now too. Yo, I want to talk about some more sports lists. How you feeling about that? Yeah, sure. That's I'm, I'm kind of in a sports mood this morning, and we're gonna publish this afterwards. And I saw a list this morning with the best boxers and the best basketball players. Let's run down those lists. And I was kind of happy to see on the basketball list that my favorite player of all time was high on the list. Because a lot of times he, he gets screwed and it kind of pisses me off. Like I hate it when people talk about how much better LeBron James was than, or is than Larry Bird. I'm sorry, but I disagree. You know, I don't think he was. I saw Larry Bird play and they talk about, you know, him. Okay, let's see, you know, let's look at this list. This isn't the list that I saw this morning. But this is a top 10 list, and I'm going to read this one without even taking a look at it. This is the ESPN top NBA players of all time, the top 10 players. So let's take a look at this list and see how we feel about these 10 names. Yeah. They're going to have old players, new players. I can comment on some of the older players. You can comment on some of the newer players. Okay, Shaq. number 10. I mean, you can't argue with Shaq being on the list. You never got to see Shaq play. And I'm not even sure if you know this, but did you know Shaq played for the Celtics at the end of his career? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the most dominating big men I've ever played. Just a big, strong guy. I mean, look at these numbers. Four NBA championships, three NBA Finals MVPs. I mean, he played with Kobe. He won the MVP, the MVP of the NBA Finals three times over Kobe. Yeah. NBA Most Valuable Player, NBA All-Stars. I mean, just, you know, all-rookie first team, two-time NBA scoring champion. And he was a guy, all he did was dunk. He would go and just shake the backboard and slam, and you couldn't stop him. Yeah, because well, he, he couldn't shoot, so like, why not you do what you're good at and just dunk? Yeah. Now, I'm a little worried. I see Kobe Bryant number nine on the list. So when I see Kobe Bryant number nine, that's leading me to believe that my man Larry Bird may not be on the list. Yeah. And if that's the case, I'm going to flip my shit and lose it because Larry Bird deserves to be on the top ten list. But anyway, Kobe Bryant, I'm not a big fan. I didn't like what he stood for earlier in his career. And one thing it seems like everyone forgot about, Kind of like when Michael Jackson died. I mean, Kobe Bryant was accused and I believe paid off a woman who accused of raping him or raping her. So Kobe Bryant was a rapist and he paid off the woman. And all of a sudden he's like this hero now to everybody since he passed away in the helicopter crash. Now don't get me wrong, it was tragic that he died. It was horrible that his daughter died and horrible that people died. But he's like being set aside as like an American hero. And I mean, Kobe Bryant raped, raped a woman and paid her off to shut her up. I mean, how do you feel about that? Does that affect the way you see him as a person? Or yeah, like, not I, really? I definitely think that he was a good basketball player, but to rape someone that's unacceptable and then just pay them off. But I don't understand how people forget that. Like, he's he's a hero, but like he raped someone. That's yeah. not that's not okay. You know, it was like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, I you know, I was alive when he was popular, you know, the king of pop or whatever. And it seemed like when he died, everybody forgot like he was a child molester. And he became like this huge favorite of everybody again. And I'm like, do you remember that he was accused of molesting you know dozens and dozens of children and i'm not sure he just let that go so anyway okay tim duncan do you remember him at all no great player he was a big center i like him on the list a lot he was i think seven two five-time nba champion three-time nba finals mvp and he was really a very dominating center he didn't play you know during the 80s he was more of like 90s and 2000s i mean look at his resume yeah 10-time you know all nba first team all-star Wow. Rookie of the year. He was a beast. Tim Duncan was really good. So I definitely think he deserves on that list. Maybe even a little bit higher at number eight. I'm hoping this list goes a little old school and shows some of the older players also. Oh, number seven. All right. We got Larry Bird at number seven. I'm happy he's on the list. I'm happy to see him above Kobe. But seeing him at number seven shows me that 
LeBron James is probably higher than Bird on the list. And I think Larry Bird would be in my top five. Yeah, but how can you put a current NBA player higher on the list than someone that's already finished their career? Well, the, th the thing too about Larry Bird is what people don't understand, especially younger people, is when Larry Bird played, it was a different style of basketball. It wasn't about going out and scoring 35 points a game. The Celtics had five guys on the floor that could all score and you couldn't double team anybody because if Bird was double team, you'd go to Parrish, you'd go to DJ. There was always someone open that could score and that's what made them such a great team. So I, I'm convinced there was one season where Larry Bird really focused on scoring. And I think it was when he was 30 years old and he averaged 28 points a game that season. And that season at the age of 30, he had a better season than LeBron James had at the age of 30. So I kind of disagree with Larry Bird being down on the list at number seven, but it is what it is. So, uh, okay, whoa, man. Will well, Chamberlain at number six? The all-time score in a game? I mean, wow. Will Chamberlain. But, you know, I guess with Will Chamberlain, I never saw Will Chamberlain play. But, you know, he was before my time. But I guess from what my father used to say about Will, Ch Will Chamberlain is he was dominating. The only player that could really even somewhere shut Will Chamberlain down was Bill Russell of the Celtics. Will Chamberlain was like 7'2". He was almost like a Shaq-style body back in those days. But most of the centers were only like 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". So you didn't have a Will Chamberlain playing against other players his size at that given time. So, so maybe was, maybe that's why he's further down the list. You know, I'm yeah, kind but of, still, yeah. he's 100 points in a game. And he's 100 started. points in a game. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And there was one season, I don't know if it's listed here, but if I remember correctly, there was one season where he averaged, I think, over 50 points yeah. a game and also averaged something like 30 rebounds a game. Wow. I mean, so he was just dominant. All right, I like this. I like Magic in the top five. And if, you know, if I had Magic and Larry on the list, I would probably have both of them in the top five. And I, I would have Magic Johnson over Larry Bird. Magic Johnson was, again, another guy. He was a point guard, a six-foot-nine-inch yeah. point guard. And he did not shoot all the time. His job was to dish the ball off. He wasn't worried about scoring all the time. And it was more of a team game. They had a game very similar to the Celtics, you know, and I definitely would not put some of these modern day players in front of either Bird or Magic. But even though I'm a Celtics fan, I would probably put Magic ahead of Larry Bird on the list. Yeah. Bill Russell, I definitely think he deserves yes. to be in the top five. 11 time NBA champion. 11. I mean, Tom Brady's had six. Yeah. 11 time NBA champion. I mean, they won like several in a row back when he played. And he did play in the time of Will Chamberlain. So, I mean, Bill Russell, you know, was a guy that was, a, I guess, a fierce defender, a great rebounder. And here's one of the comments. Bill Russell is the best defender of all time. So when, you know, when Bill Russell played against Will Chamberlain, he was the one guy that could shut down Will Chamberlain. Okay, number three, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I got to see him play. You know, I don't know. Do I put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar ahead of Parrish? Or not Parrish, ahead of uh, Chamberlain and Russell? Maybe. I mean, he was a six-time NBA champion, two-time NBA Finals MVP, six-time most valuable player. And, I mean, he's got a lot of, obviously, you know, he's, I think, now, was he the all-time leading scorer? I'm looking on the, on the list here. I think here. I he might have been. I think he ended up being the all-time leading scorer by the end of his career. So, yeah, I guess I don't have a problem with him being in the top three. Watch this one. Gonna be fun. Kareem was pretty awesome. If I see LeBron. Oh, oh, my, my God. God. Oh, are you kidding I me? I knew it. LeBron James at number two. Give me a break. So you've got LeBron James ahead of Bill Russell, ahead of Wilt Chamberlain, ahead of Magic Johnson, ahead of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, ahead of Larry Bird. Are you kidding me? 
I mean, there were so many players that didn't make this list, but to actually put LeBron James number two, I mean, give me a break. I, I'm not even going to read the description. That just pisses me off. And number one, everyone can expect this. Michael Jordan, you know, I saw Larry Bird play against Michael Jordan in person at the Boston Garden when Jordan was a young kid, and he was a beast. I mean, one of the best athletes that's ever played the game, and I have no problem with him being number one. I mean, I think if I had a top five I, I don't. I would not have LeBron James in my top five. I would have Jabbar in my top five. I would have Bill Russell in my top five. I think I would have Bird and Magic in my top five also. But LeBron James at number two. Does that surprise you? I, I don't know. I feel like he's overhyped. He's overrated, to be yeah. honest with me. Because I don't think his shooting's that great. It's. Re- I don't understand what's like so great about him because he's won three NBA championships. I feel like there's a bunch of older players that are way better than LeBron. And people say that back then the players were unathletic, but that's not true at all. Like, I don't understand why, like, people think that LeBron's number two on the list. But I, I've seen him play. I don't think he's the best. I don't think that he's great. He's definitely really good in the NBA nowadays, but I don't think he's number two on the list of all time. All right, here's a comment right here. I kind of like this. They're talking about if you could list your four guys from basketball, from the NBA history on Mount Rushmore, who would they be? And one of the experts here has said his four on Mount Rushmore would be Michael Jordan. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I don't have a problem with that. Bill Russell and Magic Johnson. Now that to me makes more sense. I mean, you know, while I do love Larry Bird, I think he's definitely in the top five of all time. LeBron James being number two on the list to me is crazy. So let's recap this list and then we'll do one more list. I'm kind of enjoying this. So number 10 on the list, they had Shaquille O'Neal. I do like him on the list. Kobe Bryant at number nine. Maybe, even though I don't love Kobe, Maybe he should be a little bit higher. I see Larry Bird down there in the chat list. He made the list. I'd like to see him in the top five. Now, this is not my list. This is an ESPN list that I'm reading. So bear with me as I read this again. Shaquille O'Neal, number 10. Kobe Bryant, number nine. Tim Duncan, number eight. They've got Larry Bird at number seven. I would have Larry Bird in my top five. Wilt Chamberlain at number six. I would probably have him in my top five. He's close at number six, so I don't disagree with that. Magic Johnson, number five. I would have him in my top five. Bill Russell, number four. He'd be in my top five. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at number three. And this is the one that drives me crazy. LeBron James at number two. I'm sorry. I think he's overrated. And I don't like him as a player. And, I mean, I I could see him as a talent. But there's no way. I mean, I I could see LeBron James being like a number 10. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. He deserves to be in the top 10 list. But number two, give me a break. Number one, I mean, Michael Jordan, he obviously deserves to be there. So listen, we've run down a couple of lists, top 10 baseball, top 10 basketball. Let's move on to the top 10 boxers of all time. I love boxing, and especially since my son started boxing. You know, um, I've kind of enjoyed really following boxing. And I want to see if I can find a list here and see if we agree with the list. Now, keep in mind, this is not going to be my list. So let's see, the, the greatest boxers. Okay, here we go. Let's go with this Bleacher Report. The top 10 boxers of all time. And if I don't like like this list, we'll just find another one. <laughs> we'll see if we agree with this, all right? Yeah. Some of these boxers you probably won't know, but we can get on them no. and talk about the different boxers. Okay. Uh, all right, number 10 on the list. I'm already kind of doubting this list a little bit. I think it should be heavyweights, not like... Yeah, well, we, I like to get on all boxers. We can always find another list. But Sugar Shane Mosley, he was a decent boxer. He was a lightweight, 46-5 and five career record. I don't know if I'm going to dig this list. I don't really... I've, I've seen him box... He was a good boxer, but 
I don't know if he belongs on that top 10 list, but they haven't been number 10. So we'll kind of give it a pass right now. But Larry Merchant, boxing expert, said that Shane is the most physically dominant lightweight he's ever coached. I can't go that far, but the numbers don't lie. So he matches up with heavy with any lightweight who's ever laced them up. All right, so they've got a lightweight on there. He's 46 and 5. He went to he went to war 34 times and was the winner of all 34 fights as a lightweight. All right, so we'll we'll kind of go with that and we'll kind of leave him on the list for right now. All right, you never saw this guy box, and it's funny. I never really appreciated this guy until I saw him later in life, some of his fights. His name, Larry Holmes. Have you ever heard of Larry Holmes? I think I might have. Larry Holmes came into popularity after like Muhammad Ali and those fighters. And you look at it, he was a heavyweight. He was 69 and six. Yeah, I know you like that number. Ha ha ha, you. The the numbers amassed by his career are staggering. He made 20 title defenses, second only to Joe Lewis. He fought anybody, anybody. He wouldn't duck anybody. He fought Ernie Shavers, Ken Norton, Michael Spanks. And, you know, he fought a lot of good fighters. The one about him, th this is what I like to see, and this is something I couldn't appreciate when I was younger. He was the ultimate tactician. He wasn't a guy that would come in and knock you out, and he wasn't like a Mike Tyson, but he was just a skilled boxer. And you had to be just amazing to be able to beat him because he would just tear you apart, jab by jab, and he would come into a fight with a plan, and he was just, you know, he wasn't a brawler. He was a boxer, and he was a professional. And he was very, very talented. So I didn't appreciate Larry Holmes till later in life. But then when I got to see him a little bit more when I was older, I definitely got to appreciate Larry Holmes and the type of boxer that he was. All right, ready? How about Joe Lewis? You've heard that name before, right? Yes. Yeah, Joe Lewis, one of the best of all time. I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm a little surprised to see Joe Lewis further down on this list at number eight. Yeah, maybe they have some current boxers. It could be. Lower. Yeah, Joe, Yeah. so Joe, Joe Lewis, great boxer, one of the best of all time, in my opinion. I mean, if I'm rating boxers, I mean, he was 69-3, and three, I would have Joe Lewis in my top five. And there you go, smiling again with the number 69, you're so 13. <laughs> all right, here's the guy I told you about. Remember, Roberto Duran. Yeah. Now, my son Matt goes to a boxing gym, and there's a guy in the boxing gym, Sean Fitzsimmons, who is known as Fitzy, as a professional boxer, and he trains... Uh, boxers in my son's gym and he actually fought Roberto Duran. Roberto Duran was one of the toughest bastards I've ever seen fight. I mean, he was kind of like a Manny Pacquiao, I think of today. He wasn't like as glitzy as some of the other boxers. But I mean, look at his record, 103 wins. Yeah, you think of some current boxers like Floyd Mayweather. He only went like like 50 and 0 is ridiculous, but he, he went 103 and 16. So he had almost 120 fights and won 103. I mean, think about that. He's fought 70 more fights than Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. <laughs> 70. I mean, think about that. And he fought, you know, I mean, his career spanned over 40 years and he won titles in four different weight classes. I mean, so he was an amazing boxer. So I have no problem with Roberto Duran on the list. If anything, I think he should be a little bit higher than number seven. Yeah, exactly. On this Bleacher Report, top 10 boxers of all time. So Jack Dempsey, another guy kind of of the Joe Lewis era. And so basically, you know, this is a good description. You know, for someone like you that's younger, he also had swagger that made his power and aggression even more enhanced. He was in so many words, a white Mike Tyson. Oh. So if you think about what Jack Dempsey was like, you know, he was 66 and six. And it says, this is not a popularity contest. I can't rank the second most popular man in boxing at number two. So they have him at number six. So Jack Dempsey, I never really saw him fight. But if you think of him as being the white Mike Tyson, that kind of puts in scale yeah. what type of fighter he was, you know? Let's see. Oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. He held the title for seven years. Seven? But there was some inactivity during his that tenure. 
I guess he got a lot of seats in in the arena, and he was just a very popular fighter. But he was like an animal. They said when he fought. So <laughs> that's that's the type of guy you want to pay to see. Now this guy, I don't Wait, even know who that, the hell this is. Am I reading is. that right? I've never heard of this guy before. Guglielmo Papeo. He's on the Bleacher Report top, top ten boxers, number five on the list. He was a featherweight. But look at this record: two hundred and thirty wins and eleven losses. Are you kidding me? How many fights did this guy have? Two hundred and thirty wins. I'm not sure which era this was, but that is ridiculous. I guess if you win over two hundred fights, whoever the hell this guy is, you deserve to be on the top ten list of all time boxers, right? <laughs> oh, look at that! Wow. Did we skip one? Oh, yeah, number four. Okay. Ray Charles Leonard. Now is that Sugar Ray? Okay. So Ray Charles Leonard. I remember watching him. Thirty-six and three. He was a welterweight. Sugar Ray Leonard was a very exciting. And you know, this is funny. You said it. Remember what I said about Larry Holmes? How I couldn't appreciate with him when I was a kid. Yeah. With the boring Larry Holmes in the Hollywood in the in the heavyweight, everyone would turn to Sugar Ray Leonard because he was glitzy. He was exciting. He was fast, and he was fun to watch. So that's when the welterweight and middleweight uh, boxing weights i think got very popular because you had larry holmes who was a great champion but it wasn't that fun to watch him box he was a great boxer but he was boring so sugar ray leonard was someone that i really liked watching top five you know maybe maybe i think he could be considered uh worthy of being there okay so floyd mayweather jr what do you think of him at number three mm, i think he should definitely be no they have him at 39 and oh isn't he 50 you know yeah he's 50 you know this I... might be an outdated list yeah and wasn't he a heavyweight not a welterweight no i think he was a welterweight he's not a heavyweight oh, okay so but boy number three Jeez. I mean, he's in the top five. That's where he belongs. I guess we can't judge until we see who number two and number one are. Yeah, I mean, so. Mike Tyson's obviously going to be in one of those spots. Muhammad Ali, like. number two. Okay. You know, I haven't seen him on the top top list yet, but if you see Muhammad Ali at number two, oh my God. What? Sugar Ray Robinson at number one. So Mike Tyson did not make the so, list. So well, not, even, not even Mike Tyson, but I get a few names that didn't make the list. But Muhammad Ali, 56 and five, great boxer. Yeah, he was uh, a lot of personality, a lot of fun to watch. But wait, Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano, that's where I was yeah. going. They got Sugar Ray Robinson at number one. Now look at his record though. Again, 175 wins and 19 losses. <laughs> so this friggin' guy won 117 matches. But when you see a guy like him, 117 wins, 19 losses, I get Muhammad Ali being number two. I think he belongs there. But you know, how does someone like a uh, Sugar Ray Leonard make it to 36 and three at number four? I mean, you don't have Rocky Marciano on this list. You don't have Mike Tyson on the list. I mean, there are a lot of fighters that were excluded from this list that were not there. Yeah. So, all right, let's round out the boxing list real quick. Again, this is a Bleacher Report list. We'll do our agree or disagree. What do you think going down the list? And maybe we'll yeah. want to do one more list after this one? Yeah, sure. And then wrap it up. All right, so number 10, we got Sugar Shane Mosley, lightweight, 46 and 5. I guess I could say I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. The, I don't I know. Don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they say he was a pretty dominant fighter, so I'm not sure. So Larry Holmes, number nine. I agree. I think he definitely belonged on the list. And if he was a more exciting fighter, he would have been in the top five. Yeah. But I think it's just he was boring. And that was always his problem. And that's why as a kid, I'd be bored watching his fights. And then when I watched him older, I was like, man, this guy was awesome. You know, he was a really good boxer. All right. So Joe Lewis, I think he should be higher. Yeah, I, I Number agree. eight. Yeah. All right. So number eight, Roberto Duran, number seven. I don't have a problem with him being yeah. there at number seven. You could make an argument. Maybe he should be in the top five. Jack Dempsey, number six, the white Mike Tyson. Yeah. You can't argue with him being there. Number five, don't know who the hell this guy is. Well, Guillermo Papelo, but he won 230 fights, so you can't argue with him being there. Yeah. Number three, Floyd Mayweather Jr. 
15-0 career, number three. I think you could make an argument for him being number one. Yeah. Muhammad Ali, number two. And then Sugar Ray Robinson, number one. So, you know, no Rocky Marciano. Who else? No, no Mike Tyson. No Mike Tyson. Uh, you know, if I had Mike Tyson on the list, he'd probably be up near the top, like number nine or number ten. I don't think he'd be in my top five. No. You know, what do you want to do? Do you want to do football? Oh, yeah, sure, football. Let's see, top ten football players of all time. This is kind of a tough tough list, I think. Yeah, because Because you've so got offensive great. players, defensive players. Let's see what they came up with, though. Top football, top ten lists. We'll try to find a good list and kind of go with that. And then we'll kind of wrap up this morning's sports talk. I'm kind of enjoying this. I miss sports, and I want to talk sports. I want to watch sports. Let's see here. Uh, okay, here we go. Oh, this is today. Actually, why don't you want to go with that? What? They've got the top 10. Oh, here we go. Let's do top 10 football players of all time. Yeah. They have another list for the top 10 players um, presently. Oh, Let's wait. See. Are they talking about like football, like soccer? Oh, that one's soccer. We need to find real football. Not that we'll put soccer. Put in American football. Not that soccer game. All right. So let's see. Yeah, I got football again. We need to find soccer. So what, what, what do you think again about if you had, we talked about baseball earlier. While I'm looking for this list, who are some of the top baseball players today? Who, who, who are your top three, three to five baseball players in 2020? 2020, yeah. I feel like probably three. I would probably put Mookie Betts at three. Do you think Mookie's that high? Yeah, because for, like he, he's a five-tool player, and the all the teams are looking for that nowadays. Number two, th- this is a hard spot, but I, I think I'd put Cody Bellinger at number two. Because he, he can hit for power, hit for average. He's a great fielder. And number one is obviously Mike Trout. Because Mike Trout. Yeah. Any pitchers on that list or nobody? Uh, the, I'll, I'll do top three pitchers as well. I'd say no, mm, number three, I'd put, I'd put Max. Mm-mm. No, I'd put Justin Verlander, number three. Then number, number two, I'll probably put Jacob DeGrom, the... Who's, who's he from? Uh, Mets, Cy Young winner last year. And Who do he play for? He plays for the Mets. And, okay. Uh, for number one, I'd put Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, number one pitcher still. Yeah. Really? He's he's dominant. No one can hit him. Wow. All right, so we're going to go into the top 10 NFL players of all time. I found a good list, but it wouldn't open. Let's see if I can get it again. It was Bleacher Report. Uh, let's see here. I don't want a top 50 list. Do, do, do. So you think Max Scherzer? Now, do you, do you think if baseball ever plays this year, do you think Mookie Betts is going to have a good season? I feel like last year he had kind of an off season, but I feel like this year he would have had a really good season. Now, what what makes Mike Mike Trout better than Mookie Betts? Mike Trout, he he's a he's such a good hitter that like like his fielding's great too. And everything that he does in the game is great, but his hitting is just outstanding. If you th- right. like, I think he hit over 50 home runs last year. All right, you ready to get on the top 10 NFL players by Bleacher Report? Now, this yeah. is not my list, so if you have any problems with the list, do not question me, do not yell at me, but feel free to make some comments down the bottom. So let's quickly go through this, yes. and then we'll break it down. All right, so this is what Bleacher Report says. The top, the top uh, 10 NFL players of all time. So, so far we've done baseball, we've done basketball, we've done boxing, and now we're moving on to football. So number 10 on the list, Brett Favre of the Green Bay Packers. Number nine on the list, Dick Buckus of the Chicago Bears. Number eight, John Elway of the Denver Broncos. Number seven, Reggie White of the Cowboys. Number six, number six, 
Tom Brady. All right, I'm not. I'm gonna hold my, my judgment till later. Number five, Walter Payton. Okay. Number four. No, no, no. Joe Montana. Sorry. Nope. Nope. All right. Number three, Lawrence Taylor. Number two, Jim Brown. Number one, Jerry Rice. Okay, I guess I don't have a huge problem with some of that. But, I mean, give me a break. Joe Montana better than Tom Brady. And Peyton Manning's not on here. Like, even though I don't like Peyton Manning, he still, I feel like, deserves a spot over Brett Favre. Crazy. Because Brett Favre, I think, has the most interceptions of all time, right? All right, right, he does. Yes, all right, so let's go. So, Brett Favre, number 10. Do you agree with that or no? No. I don't know. Brett Favre was great. And maybe on this list you're looking at, you know, championships or whatever. But, I mean, if you look at Brett Favre compared to, like, a Dan Marino, a Peyton Manning, I mean, there were some great quarterbacks that are not on this list. Brett Favre, to me, is iffy, even at number 10. So, Dick Butkus. Yes. I'm kind of surprised he's at number 9. Yes, slam dunk kind of on the list. He was a badass. (laughs) Dick Butkus was an absolute badass. He was an evil bad man. But again, if you have Dick Buckus on the list, how about one of our favorites we've discovered on YouTube, Night Train Lane. Oh, Night Train Lane <laughs> should definitely be on Night here. Train Lane was an animal. I mean, he'd rip your damn head off if he had the chance. And even guys like if you're talking great linebackers, I mean, how about Ray Lewis? Yeah, Ray Lewis. Huh? How about Jack Lambert? You know, there was some great – he played for the Steelers in the 70s. Remember, he was missing his front teeth. Yeah, well, this list could be older. Maybe that's why yeah. Tom Brady's not on it. Er, uh, okay, I, John Elway, number eight. <laughs> Uh, you know, again, I have a problem with Brett Favre and John Elway being on the list, but Peyton Manning not being there, Dan Marino not being there. I mean, how about Troy Aikman? Yeah, Troy Aikman. I mean, Troy Aikman may not have been as talented as a, as a quarterback, but he kind of got the same disrespect that Tom Brady got a lot of times. You know, because he had a great running game, too. He had Emmett Smith. They ran the ball. Yeah, Emmett. So he didn't need to, to run the whole show, so... Yeah, Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Right. Derrick Henry runs oh, the show over. Ryan Tannehill sucks, though. Tennessee should have gotten a better quarterback. Yeah. All right, so real quick, uh, Reggie White, number seven. Yeah. I liked him. He was a definitely a great defensive end. Yeah, one of the best cards. I don't know had. if I'd have him at seven. I'd have him maybe no more, like nine or ten. Yeah. I don't know how you put Reggie White ahead of Dick Butkus on your list. Yeah, I, he's a defensive lineman. Like I know that's where you played, but it's... Yeah. Like, it's not, like, one of, like, the flashier positions, no. if that makes sense. Definitely not. It's not a flashy position. And, you know, Dick Buckus, though, he only played for nine years, and they didn't win while he was there. So maybe that was part of the issue with him. Yeah, maybe. So moving ahead, uh, Tom Brady, mm-hmm. give me a fucking break. I'm sorry. Bullshit. <laughs> no. I'm a New England Patriots fan. Yes, I know that. But Tom Brady at number six, there's no way that Joe Montana should be higher in the list than Tom Brady. No. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game. And if you want to put other position plays in front of him, I'm okay with that. But, I mean, to put Montana ahead of Brady, and don't get me wrong, I love Joe Montana. He was a great quarterback. Wait, how many Super Bowl wins does it say he had in this? Brady has six. So this isn't... mm. This is recent. So that's absolute bullshit. Yeah. All right, so Walter Payton, number five. Sweetness. You know, I'm looking at at the list... Who do we have Brown? in the top three again? Jim Brown. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think I'd put Walter Payton ahead of Jim Brown yeah. on that list. Walter Payton was fast, but he ran over you also. Yeah, that's why I liked him in my Madden team, but I had to take him off. Yeah, I'm happy he's in the top five, but I think he should be in the top three, honestly. Yeah. Joe Montana, we've already talked about him. Sorry, dude, no way. He couldn't throw that far, honestly. Nope. Like, he 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 relied on Jerry Rice, and he relied yeah. on this running game. He wasn't that, like, just because he won four Super Bowls doesn't mean that he's one of the best of all yeah. time. This list pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so number three, LT. LT. I have no problem with that. He was an animal. Yeah. But again, you got LT on the list. I'm not sure how Ray Lewis is on the list. Yeah, exactly. You know, some of those other great linebackers. 
Uh, number two, Jim Brown. I think I'd have Walter Payton higher on the list. And Jim Brown was great. And I never saw him play, so maybe I can't speak completely about yeah, him. Yeah, in Madden, they say that. And you picked the best running back of all time, Jim Brown. You know what's kind of funny? Yeah. I never knew this about him. It said Jim Brown's career ended abruptly when Cleveland Browns owner Art Modell told Brown to choose between his movie or his football career. And apparently he chose his movie career. Really? <laughs> so he left football to be a movie star, kind of like Gronkowski this year. right? Yeah, well, Gronk's He's coming back. back now. Number one, Jerry Rice. Like, you know, I always hear you talk about Randy Moss. People of your generation don't know how good yeah, Randy exactly. Ma- Jerry That's Rice was. That's I tried to tell them because Randy Moss was kind of lazy when he played. He took off plays. Like, yes, he was ridiculously fast, ridiculously catching the ball, but like he was lazy, and that's probably why Bill Belichick didn't uh, like like him as much as some of his other yep. players. Jerry Rice had the same work ethic of a Tom Brady or a Tiger Woods, and he had as much, if not more, talent than a Randy Moss. He was a beast. And they said that when you were on his team, he would invite anybody to work out with him, and there was not one player that could keep up with his workout regimen. So Jerry Rice, I have no problem with that. So I, you know, not a bad list. So anyway, listen, we get, I'm gonna get to work. Okay. You're gonna get to school. This has been kind of a fun Monday morning sports talk. We're gonna end this now. So thank you for joining us this morning, and we're gonna download the show and publish it. So thank you very much for joining us. Hope everyone has a great Monday and a great week. Take care, all. Bye.